Ahoy and welcome to Doug and Jake Tales, a series of Movies by Minute podcasts started on January 15th of 2018. We let the hosting lapse and our podcast had previously been erased from the internet, but now thanks to the miracle of Anchor, we have decided to collect the episodes and we will be releasing them one week at a time. Each episode will be one week's worth of minutes, seven minutes an episode. It's uh, it's weird, but I promise it will make sense all in the end. Enjoy Doug and Jake Tales. Talk to God, but not even, not even seeing him. You hear his voice, and you see his disciples. They appear like huh, angels under a sea of black umbrellas. You're just joining us at minute 40? 40? 40, look at the description. It'll tell you if I'm right. Um, if you're just joining us now, you're a freaking weirdo. But as an explanation, we are watching the movie Southland Tales one minute at a time, talking about the episode, the minute, and then that is how this works. I have a hard time calling the movie Southland Tales now because we say Southland Tales Tales so much, I started thinking that was the name of the movie, <laughs> which would make the name of the podcast Southland Tales Tales Tales. Um, also, I, uh, when I hear and I, when I listen to it because it gets stuck in my head, so I just give in and I listen to all these things that I've done with the killers. And when it gets to the part where you come in, uh, with the Southland Tales Tales, I can't hear the song any other way now. Uh, cause I, I listen to every episode of this because I'm a dreadful narcissist. Um, but hey, it, don't cut yourself short. You're a fantastic narcissist. Yes, I am very good at a very talented... Chevy Chase jokes! <laughs> By the way, have you seen um, a Useless and Futile Gesture or whatever it's called? I can't wait to watch that. Is that a... Is that a... One of those visual podcasts? No, it's the yeah one of the vis- it's a visual podcast uh, <laughs> called a movie. Um, yeah, right, that's what I was... It's a Netflix movie about Doug Kinney uh, from National Lampoon. And it's got um, it's got Jola Trulio playing um, Jola Trulio playing Bill Murray, um, uh, Joe McHale playing Chevy Chase, and oh, Doug Kinney playing uh, or no, Doug Kinney being played by Will Forte. Oh. I can't wait to see this movie. I just I've not heard haven't that. had the time. It sounds amazing. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I, everything I've seen looks great and. He's really good at young Chevy Chase, Joel McHale is. Yeah. It's surprising. Joel McHale's a better actor than he gets credit for. I mean, not that anybody just fades Joel McHale a lot, but, you know, he's known for The Soup and then Community, and I, I he's... And The New X-Files. Oh, yeah, I didn't even know yeah. that, but uh, I think he's pretty good. He also has... Uh, Joel McHale has a new show on Netflix called The Joel McHale Show, where it's basically just talk soup, mm-hmm. but they can't call it that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the only reason I know that is because I watched the interview where he was promoting uh, a stupid and futile gesture. Uh, one of my favorite shows probably ever is Community. Have you watched that? I have. I I don't hate it, 
I just didn't watch it from the beginning, and it's not, um, you know, the the stuff I've seen. I'm like, this is okay, you know. It's like it, it's it's just it gets really weird through the middle, yeah, and then it comes back around where it's not not weird at the end, but they kind of try to wrap it up with some sort of sanity. The first two seasons are pretty normal show about community college. And then it gets just off the rails. Like there's an anim, uh, there's a claymation episode. There's an entirely eight bit graphic episode. I've actually seen that one. That's because that was uh, possibly my favorite. Chevy episode. Chase's dad died, and then they had to be a video game for some yes, reason. Yes, yeah. and then someone made that game, and you can download it. Uh, there's like a scene where um, one of the characters and Joel McHale's character are playing ping pong. It goes into an anime sequence. It's just, it's an off the wall show. I've also seen the second most worst timeline or whatever it was. Oh, the darkest timeline. The darkest timeline. Yeah. yeah I've seen the second one. No, I've seen the first one. Uh, cause that was the one where somebody was getting shot and something. Yeah. I like it when shows do, uh, have a thing like that. They do it like once a season, like when Futurama used to do, um, you watched it. You, you can't, can't unwatch it. it. Whatever that, uh, whatever that was called. Tales of improbability or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so Southland Tales. Right. Yeah. Minute forty ish. Another minute where not a whole lot happens. Yeah. Um, uh, we've got Roland talking to a Hawaiian shirt guy and Jimmy Hermosa, but we can't hear him. Right. The Rock sees Serpentine going into Small World books. He goes into Small World Books where we see that Nora, not Nora Dunn, but Nora Dunn's best friend, Nora, that we don't really know her name, so we call her Nora. Yeah. Um, she ha- the character has a name. The character has a name. We don't know it. We're not looking it up. Right. And uh, <laughs> she is uh, going, she's behind the book. So she's obviously, that's what her day job is, is she works at Small World mm. Books. And then we're about to go into my favorite scene, which I can't wait to talk about that in the next episode. But um, until then, do we have any anything else to really talk about in this episode well i'm gonna head uh no not really no no i was just gonna say i was gonna head to your freezer and see you had any iced cream with which i might negotiate Ooh, see you can't negotiate with any negotiate with any of my iced cream why uh because you are a pimp obviously and pimps do not negotiate with iced cream talk to god not even not even seeing him you hear his voice you see his disciples. They appear like <laughs> angels under a sea of black umbrellas. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm Southland Tales Tales. That's it. Enough screwing around. We're on the scene that I love. <laughs> uh, very much. Uh, I'm going to skip to the end of the scene because it is my favorite thing in the entire movie. Okay. It is The Rock having trouble taking something away from <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein. Right. <laughs> she has his script, The Power, um, as we've discussed, not really his script. Right. And he tries to take it away from her. 
and she somehow holds on to it while The Rock. And we're talking about Zelda. If you don't remember and haven't been listening from the beginning, Zelda Rubenstein is going to the light, Caroline. She's also the organist who consoles a young Molly Ringwald on 16 Candles when everyone forgets her 16th birthday. Hmm. And um, this is uh, this this is just a weird um, ethereal scene where uh, Serpentine introduces Dr. Inga von Westphalen. Right. And um, she says, meet Dr. Inga von Westphalen. And I love the way she says it. <laughs> you, you've got a thing for Serpentine. Oh, yeah. Well, she's, I mean, just to look at her, she's hot. Also, exotic voices really float my boat. Oh, so I'm... I'm I'm just not a fan of crazy ladies, to be honest. Mm, I am. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 were saying uh, a little earlier. You, I I want you to say it because you did it so. so oh well. well, I was just saying I did not end up with a crazy lady, and I have a very blessed life I've built uh, with my wife, and I love her very much. But it was not for lack of trying that I did not end up with a crazy person. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, uh, I I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm not a big fan um, of. Uh, it's just too much, you know? Like, like, I'm crazy enough. I don't need more yeah. crazy, you know? I need something anchoring me a little bit, yeah. yeah. Which is probably why I'm alone. I require too much of a of a lady friend. But um, you wanted to, uh, you didn't say you wanted to point this out, but you did take interest in it. Dr. Inga von Westphalen is reading Tarot, tarot and Visions, and visions yes. which um, it really goes to... Uh, did they talk about the scene that was in, in the Blu-ray? Because you got the Blu-ray. We didn't even talk about it. You have the yeah, Blu-ray. I actually kind of want to do an episode, a very special episode of Southland Tales Tales, where we just review the Blu-ray content. Yeah. Because it's very, it, some of it is, is enlightening. And I don't I don't want to like do it minute by minute or anything, but there's some information there that's worth talking about. Notably, uh, the fact that it came up in this episode earlier when you talked about the Rock trying to take his screenplay, well, not really his screenplay. Uh, it was clear to me when I watched the Blu-ray content that The Rock does not understand. I'm talking about the actor The Rock, not the fact that we keep calling Boxer Santeros The Rock, but Dwayne The Rock Johnson does not understand that Boxer Santeros did not write the power. And I don't know if it's because when he, they did all these press junkets and he was probably what this is on the Blu-ray, the, the prequel graphic novels weren't out, and I don't know how much Richard Kelly informed the cast of what was really going on. I don't know how much they all really cared, and I get the impression that none of them get what's going on. They just were like, we really want to be in this movie with a Donnie Darko guy, because it seems cool. Yeah. Anyway, we started on that because you were, we were talking about something else about... Uh, tarot and visions and then yeah. we were talking about um i i don't know if they talked about it on the dvd but something that i read on the imdb uh trivia for this is that there was a scene that that was in the script that they never actually filmed that was boxer taking a bunch of uh fluid, fluid karma, karma and then going back in time and talking to a young fortune telling dr inga von westphalen and that's where the fra- that's where the um, angels the line the angels to see in black umbrellas. umbrellas yeah, yeah. Uh, which, which somehow it, I think I read the same piece of trivia, and it said a little more about uh, about that. What why? Um, what I mean is, uh, it explained a little bit about what they actually saw 
and what Pilot Abilene is referencing when he says that. And now I don't really remember what it was, but it had to do with angels and black umbrellas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I'm going to go negotiate with some iced cream. And no, I can't do that because I am an angel under a sea of black umbrellas. And angels under a sea of black umbrellas don't negotiate with ice cream. That's right. One of the things that Jake and I are super passionate about, and you'll hear about it in later episodes of Doug and Jake Tales, is professional thumb wrestling. You can check out professional thumb wrestling, exactly what that is, on NDWAthumbs.com. Now back to this nonsense. Ahoy, and I am on the phone with Mike Nielsen, and I, it is Nielsen, right? I always uh, I always accidentally start calling you Mike Nelson, and that's not right. <laughs> is Nielsen like the ratings? Absolutely. You are the ratings guy. Um, so yep. <laughs> you are also known as Young Kenny Chan in this movie. I was, yeah, a yeah. long time ago. <laughs> And, uh, you know, uh, I guess a little background for the listeners here. Uh, I posted about this on my Facebook page about our podcast and you had, you were kind enough to chime in and say, Hey, you know, I had a bit part in that movie, which I had remembered. And, uh, and then you had, uh, said that you would be willing to tell some, uh, very uninteresting stories. And I was like, Hey, that sounds right up my podcast alley. <laughs> Perfect. Sounds good. Absolutely. So. Um, let me see. I'm going to run down. I think the way we'll do it is, is I'll run down kind of what I remember from um, when we uh, were in each other's lives and uh, when this movie came out. So we were in a UCB 101 course together. Um, and uh, it was you, myself, Shannon, and Jamie Flam are the only ones I remember from that uh, particular class. And it was Colton yeah. Dunn's class. It was Colton's class. Absolutely. He's and very good. He, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so this movie came out while we were in class together, if I remember correctly. Well, we shot it. It was shot in the summer of 2005, and it came out, it didn't come out until 2007. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's uh, around so, Thanksgiving that, 2007. Yes. Is that when we were in class? Was that 2007? Uh, no, that seems late. That seems late. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think we were in class together in 2006. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh we were in it together, but you had mentioned it a couple of times cuz I had uh the trailer started coming out for it before the con screening and I was yeah. super excited for the movie from the trailers. And um and then we happened to be in class together at the same time. I remember a couple of times we were at Cat in the Fiddle. And uh, mm-hmm. you guys would talk a little oh. bit about it. Yeah, I know. R.I.P. I know, right? Well, they know they opened a new one. It's not in the same location. Oh, okay. Um, but they're, they're trying. You know? <laughs> but that, that, that location was so... That courtyard was the best. It I was loved that place. such a great place to go hang out. I know. Yeah, I especially, in, especially in Los Angeles where it's nice all the time. It's The weather's yeah. been madness here lately, so... I I've been a little homesick because I was in LA for oh. ten years before I moved home. So Ooh, ten years, you know, not bad, not a bad yeah. run. Um, no, not at all. I mean, I'm one of those weirdos that was raised here, so <laughs> I've been here. I've I've never left. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Um, so the the only other thing that I want to put out because I had mentioned it on the podcast, but I had said that I wasn't one hundred percent sure if this was right. This was just what my memory was telling me. 
is um, you and Shannon and possibly up to three other guys were in an improv troupe together and that you guys were all in the movie. Was that correct? Close. There was eight of us that were in a sketch group uh, that we started in 2001. And we just, the when you do the Groundlings program, there's this two-hour year wait or two hour, two year wait for like the upper levels. And eight of us that graduated from the lower levels were like, oh, we're not going to wait two years to do anything. So eight of us just started our own sketch comedy group. And we did six shows in LA, six different sketch shows. And fortunately for us, uh, Richard Kelly used to come to our shows and thought we were really funny. And for some reason, put us in his movie. We were called The Mechanicals, and actually one of the uh, comic books, the uh, graphic the, novels, Southland Tales, is called The Mechanicals, based on, he named it after our sketch group. Yeah, it was the third one, and I'm I'm glad that you said that without me prompting, because I uh, that's what I had remembered, and I wanted to uh, make sure that I was correct on that. So. Yeah, there's eight of us. Uh, I could, uh, let me I could pull up the uh, list. I don't remember all their character names, but... Uh, a little fun, you know, as all of us have gotten older. I mean, Jesus Christ, man, we shot that thing in 2005. I was 25 sure. years old. Right. 38 years old now. So, and I've uh, been seeing some... A while ago. I've been seeing some pictures of Shannon lately, and he has got white hair now. That is... That oh, was I'm, shocking to see. I love it. I love it. He, uh, his hair, like, you know, he, he's been salt and pepper forever. Like, he just has always been the salt and pepper guy. And you know, over the last couple of years, he's just been like, yeah, fuck it. I can say fuck it, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah okay, we're, on a, we're on a podcast, uh, yeah. We're on a podcast. I can say whatever the fuck I want to say. Um, And, uh, you know, I, we just had a drink in January and uh, to catch up and just full on. I was like, so proud. Like, dude, I got to say, your hair looks great. He goes, really? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm like, do it. Like, let it go. He's got the beard going, too, which looks awesome. He's just got, like, a mountain man vibe. And it's great. I love it. I'm a big fan of the look as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, mean, I am definitely interested to hear uh, who the other members of the sketch team are, because that's one thing we never really talked about. So I had always in my mind, uh, before you tell me who they were, I want sure. to guess who some of them were, because I am yeah. going to almost say, I, well, no, I'm definitely going to say that I believe it would have to be at least two of the soldiers who were in the scene with Justin Timberlake and the guy who played Martin Keith Alver, I forget his name, but right before the dream sequence, I th I would imagine one that one of them is uh, probably the one, one who is. said, uh, Martin Keith hour hour is here to see you, sir. Uh, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I bet yeah, that, that guy's is, uh, one of them. Kevin Robertson. That is my actual still writing partner to this day. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. We're still working together. And, um, yeah, he, uh, Here's a here's a random story about that. He, did you notice? Now you've seen the movie before. Uh, I have seen Correct. the movie an absurd amount of times. Okay, so just jumping ahead, there's a quick cut of Janine Garofalo, and you're like, "Where was Janine Garofalo in that movie?" Well, I, I have seen the cons <laughs> cut, sir. So please tell the listeners about this because I am interested in hearing it. So. My friend, Kevin Robertson, who was in that one scene with Timberlake, and uh, he was like Janine Garofalo's right-hand man. That was his character in the movie. 
And then when the movie ran super long, obviously it cons, Richard Kelly cut Janine Garofalo's part from the movie and cut a bunch of scenes out. So my friend got cut out of so much of the movie and I was like, wow, that's, that sucks. I just felt really bad for him. And uh, oddly enough to make it up for him, he was uh, cast in The Box, Rich's next movie, as oh. uh, James Marsden's like, best buddy. <laughs> so, Oh, that's really cool. That's yeah, he really made it up cool. to him, but he did, he did get cut out of a lot of Southland Tales, as did Jimmy Garofalo. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, we're, um, yeah. <laughs> we've talked about it several times, and uh, we're going to, once we go all the way through the movie one time, we're going to do the comics one by one, and then we're going mm. to go minute by minute through the cons cut. Nice. Yeah. Where are you currently, out of curiosity? Um, right now, we're on, um, as we're recording this, we just got done recording a bunch of them from minute uh, 35 to minute, uh, I want to say, 42. We basically stopped uh, right after you died. Well, that's, that's pretty Mike Nielsen heavy, that area right there. Good job, Dad. Yeah, oh, well, thank you, thank you. I, <laughs> we're, we're sticking through it a little bit more than because... This podcast was, uh, listeners will know, but I want to hear your response to this uh, insane thing I tried to do. Um, I tried to do this podcast uh, two years ago during a leap year, um, and what I wanted to do was sort of the uh, best worst idea in the world uh, podcast format, where I I wanted to watch Southland Tales every day for a year and record uh, record how I slowly went insane. And um, it, I only made it for a month and a half. So someone did it actually. Yeah, you were telling okay. me about that. Yeah, it was really weird. I, uh, uh, my friend Megan, her boyfriend at the time, just like texted me, and he was like, "Oh my god, this guy is doing this thing that I that he works with." And uh, and then I got in touch with the guy. The guy talked to me for a second about it, and it was interesting to read. And if you did a month and a half, like, yeah, he did it. Last I checked, he was up to, I mean, I think he did it once a week, but he... Oh, well, I did it once a day, so (laughs) that was awful. But, well, it is, it is my, it it has become, uh, before I started the podcast, it became my second favorite movie. It's, um, just because I've... it was one of those when it came out, I, A, I was excited for it because of the trailer and then B, because I knew some people in it. So I was like, oh, well, this is going to be fun. And then I went and watched it and I was furious. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is awful, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then I had a conversation at Second Thanksgiving with a, a guy I know and he loved the movie all but <laughs> the killer scene. And so, oh, yeah. The killer, <laughs> right? And I, I and and at the time, I thought it was the only part of it that I that was any good. And then there when you. we had that conversation, it made me start thinking about it. And then I watched it again. Yeah. And then I'm like, huh? And then I watched it again and again and again. I've probably seen it. I've seen probably seen it more than any other movie at this point. <laughs> nice. Well, also that killer scene. I got a story about that one from uh, Comic Con. Ooh. The one time we went down there. Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of funny. I I would love to hear the story. Okay, it's a real fast story. So we get a call from Richard. I think it was it was for 2006. He's like, dude, come you guys come on down to Comic Con, sit on a panel. I'm discussing Catherine Tales with everybody, and we were like, hell yeah, like sure, free trip to Comic Con, like that sounds awesome. 
So a bunch of us, drove, like a couple of us drove down the night, the night before. It was uh, me, Shannon, Kevin from the Denise Garofalo scene, and another one. And uh, you haven't guessed them all yet. so. I'm oh, I need to. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Continue, though. Um, um, and then the four of us got, we went down beforehand because we were just there for, we weren't, we weren't like there for a long time or the whole weekend and we all had jobs and crap like that. Like we just went down there. So we went the night before and the four of us got trashed, like just drunk, stupid drunk and got up the next day and drove down to San Diego. We were like maybe half hour out of San Diego. And then the rest of the four drove down that morning and we were doing a panel and we are not famous at all. No one knows the eight mechanicals. No one knows who we are. And four of us were so hungover. I'm almost going to vomit all over the Comic-Con stage. <laughs> and so Richard Kelly comes out. He's all excited. He goes, I want to introduce... You know, after, you know, unfortunately, after Donnie Darko was originally a sort of a bomb, um, he was talking about how this comedy group really kind of got me going and got me laughing and got me happy again and we became friends and I want to introduce them. I put them in the movie and came out and then, I don't know, there's maybe 200 people in the room and he goes, all right, here we're going to do the first look of Southland Tales and the only thing he showed was that killer's Timberlake scene and he's done and no one clapped. <laughs> people were just sitting there staring at each other like, <laughs> what was that? Was that a music video? Was that is that the move? That's from the movie. Like I don't. No one understood what it was. It told you nothing about Southland Tales. It was just like Timberlake lip syncing in a weird carnival. Like that's what it was. And it was. And I think she thought it was like the coolest thing. And the rest of us were just sitting there smiling. And the, we got no questions. Obviously, like no one wants to ask us questions. What? I, who would ask strangers? They like you don't even know who these people are. Questions and it's just eight people sitting there on stage and just watching Richard Kelly field questions for an hour. And it's all it's the weirdest Comic Con. But I got to go to Comic Con for free, which is awesome, and walk around and see all the stuff. But like, it was the stupidest reason. <laughs> I watched the video of us on the on the stage, and I think I've spoken to the microphone once because I was gonna fucking yak, and I just. Just didn't say anything. I just sit there and like. There's times where you get. I'm just like looking down at the floor because I'm like I don't feel good at all. And the other guys are just like, oh, we're so hungover. Like you got like hot neck and all that stuff because you just you just don't feel good. And you just drove and you're just like, oh god. In San Diego, it's fucking hot. Also in fucking July, <laughs> it's just terrible. But that was so funny because that killer scene, like, I mean, it was like a fun little scene in the movie. It had nothing to do with the movie. Like it didn't add to it. But, I, like, people hated it. <laughs> it was just, oh, it didn't go over very well at all. I felt really bad. Well, and but, it's uh, it, that scene I always I, I looked at, once I once it wasn't the first time I watched it, I, I kind of looked at it because he's throwing a lot of genres in there all at once. And I think yeah. that comes from the, um, I think that comes from the Philip Marlowe kind of genre because he you know they they did the same thing in the big lebowski when they were you know yeah. paying homage to marlo and i think it was yeah. just t- trying to do something like that and uh, yeah like a music video druggy thing and it was sort of weird like a lot of it had to do with like this weird drug and and that sort of stuff that keith Oliver and you know timberlake was selling them and stuff but yeah and yeah, like timberlake that, was, was weird. exporting from uh 
from Fallujah, and um, they uh, and f- according to what I remember from the cons cut, uh, Garofalo was the one who was like in charge of of uh, exporting yeah. it, and then Timberlake was in charge of selling it. If I remember, yeah, correctly. I saw that. I saw that cut once, and um, and it was it's long. I mean, that's a long. It's long very long, um, and it starts off yeah. with the Japanese guy getting his hand cut off scene. Yeah, which got moved in the move in the later cut. Um, but yeah, it was just such a long cut. I remember it was because we again we were like we had Joe jobs and we were regular people. We still are regular people. <laughs> like none of us have become famous enough to not work an extra job. So like we were just working jobs and like you know when Richard Kelly's like, hey guys, you want to come down to Sony and watch a screening? Like we were always there for the, any sort of free screening or free food <laughs> thing that Richard Kelly would invite us to. So we showed up. And it was just us and The Rock and Richard <laughs> Kelly and a bunch of, like, Sony people watching the movie. And I was like, holy fucking shit, that was The Rock. And he was just like, <laughs> The Rock is, like, the nicest guy in the world. He's like, yeah, how you doing? I'm Dwayne. I'm like, hey, what's up? I'm, I'm Mike. Man. You don't need to know my name. I got to go by. And, like, it's just the, the super nicest dude. We watched this super long cut. And I was just like, holy shit. I don't understand what's going on at all in this. I, like, and I'm a movie nerd. And I'm like, I don't know what what is this? Like, there's so much backstory that he throws that, like, if you read the comic books, the graphic novels, like, he's gone comics. If you read the graphic novels, you get it, but, like, that narration in the beginning is so much information that, I don't know, I want to ask you, as someone who's watched this movie a lot, don't you think it would have been a much better miniseries? Oh, for sure. Oh, God, like, the, the graphic novels, if you shot that and you made it, like, into, like, a really cool, I don't know, like, Showtime HBO sort of miniseries, like a sci-fi event, and you have ten episodes. Like that would have been phenomenal. That would have been such a good idea to make that into a miniseries versus trying to cram it into a two-hour or forty-minute movie. That is something I books. never thought of before, but that is amazing. That is absolutely true. It yeah. would make such an amazing, like, yeah. uh, miniseries. Yeah, do what they're doing with the uh, the Watchmen right now. Yeah, exactly. Like half-hour episodes. Like, you could have really done those graphic novels well and, you know, build it up into this, like, I don't know, big conclusion that the world ends. And, like, yeah. a, a one-off. And, like, that was, oh, like, ten episodes, a ten-episode event. I'm like, and obviously this is, like, what, mid-2000s when, like, they didn't have that sort of crap or, you know, Netflix and Hulu were having random series and stuff like that. Like, it would have been so good to do that then and be, like, one of the first miniseries like FX or something like that where they just do these like American Horror Stories and you're just like that's it like Southland Tales you just do one little bit of that and then he writes another Southland Tales from another perspective or whatever but like it would have been so good I was like he really missed an opportunity just because that wasn't something that people wanted at that time it could have been great that would have been such a good miniseries it would have been um yeah my um my co- uh, podcasting partner, Jake, who, uh, for the listeners, is not here because he is currently at one of our local comic book conventions. Um, hey. <laughs> he is uh, he has often said that as much as he loves this movie, he would have loved to have seen just what some rando person's day-to-day life was in this world. You know, not mm-hmm. not so much, I mean, while the stuff is interesting, the stuff going on with Boxer and with uh, Krista and all that stuff, but to see just um just like some dude who lives near venice beach you know what what is what is jimmy hermosa doing during this movie you know like that kind of stuff 
Yeah. Um, so let's is see he here. Is he doing that drugs? Is he doing Agent Orange or the Melody or whatever the names of those drugs were? Like, is he <laughs> doing that? Like, yeah. There's so yeah. many things they could have explored if it was able to make a miniseries. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I want to get back to guessing the other mechanicals. Um, I still would that. Let me see here. Were there any females on the team? I should ask. Three. Three. Uh, was one of them goth-ish? No. Okay, okay. No. There was there was an inexplicable lady in Small World Books who was kind of goth-ish that I thought maybe was one of them. No, um, no, no. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, you know what? Honestly, uh, other than just the other Secret Service agents, I can't think of who they might have been. So I'm 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 excited to be enlightened. All right. Two of the girls were uh, the porn stars with Krista and I believe it was Jill Ritchie. And then okay. the other two girls were in my sketch group, Gianna and Abby. Okay, okay. Uh, so that would be yeah. um, uh, that would be Sheena D. And yeah. uh, what Dina was the Storm. other one? Dina Storm, yes. Because yeah. Shoshana Cox was the, the um, other one, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then the other female had a had the biggest role out of any of us. She got uh she was Starla Von Luft. Seriously. Plugged by Timberlake. Yeah. Yeah, the one who's responsible for young Kenny Chan's death. Yeah. <laughs> she fucking set me up, man. That's yeah, insane. She, uh, yeah, she was and then she ended up playing uh my buddy Kevin's wife in the box. That is crazy. That yeah, is crazy. She got the biggest role out of all of us, and uh, and good for her. Uh, you know. Oh, for sure. Like, we were all grateful just to be in this thing and been been you know added to this and not have to really audition. Like he just liked this and wrote stuff for us. It was really cool. Like we just got this movie. Uh, but she so got cool. a very very good role. Okay, so we've got the three ladies. We've got you. Uh, we've got Shannon. Uh, we've got it's your friend Kevin. who Kevin, and then so there's two more. So there's it's it's two not. Guys. A, uh, by the way, it's not a two more. Okay, continue. <laughs> Boom. Uh, to do it, you guys are uh, JC or Jarrett Gardner and Phil Sternberg. So Phil was so they both work at the uh, Upu place where Starla and I work with the you know clear weird jackets and stuff. Oh, was one of them um, Dennis, the guy that she was having an affair yeah. with? Yeah, who snuck up behind uh, oh, Miranda Richardson. Is that her yeah, name? Uh, Nana, Nana Mae Frost was her character's name. name. Yeah. yeah, he snuck up behind her and said, I could smell you from the hall. <laughs> yes, that, that guy. That was, that was the other gentleman that got drunk with us uh, the night before Comic-Con. And uh, the other guy, Jared Gardner, he had a one-liner sort of thing when he, when Starla was watching people. The toilet, yeah. Has she been on yeah. toilet duty? She's been on toilet duty for <laughs> two days. Yeah, that's uh, Jared. And, yeah, so that's the eight of us. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, let's um, – Let's let's switch gears a little bit and uh, let's see how long we've been talking. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit and uh, go really quickly to um, the scene in the uh, the scene in the loft where you get shot and fall in a toilet. Um, so I have one question about the plot of that scene and one question of behind the scenes, and then any stories yeah. you would like to throw out, I would like to hear that. But sure. the the behind the scenes thing is, I would like to hear if uh, you you 
like what how did he address the fact that you needed to fall on the giant Dadaist toilet that was in the middle of this room? You know, it was, uh, it was something he had in his head a long time before we even shot it. So I knew what was happening. Like I knew like it was going to be like shot to death on a giant toilet. It was in the script that he gave me. And I was like, Oh shit, that's awesome. Like I just, who wouldn't want to have a weird, like in my head, I'm thinking this will be memorable. Uh, cause it's a weird way to die. Like it's, you know, getting plugged by a little person and another agent, uh, and getting shot to death. That's cool. Uh, but you know, I was so excited and then you show up and there's a stunt double that like me at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was well, a it was an right. older gentleman that that took it. <laughs> so okay, um, sub yeah. question sub question on that one. Um, uh, do you know? You may not know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know if the Eli Roth scene was added in afterward to to like foreshadow? I mean, I know I may be putting too much thought into this, but Eli Roth dies on a toilet just right before yeah. you do. Right before me. Yeah. Uh, it was something that uh, Eli Roth showed up that day. Like, I I filmed this thing for four days. I was three days in the loft with the other neo-Marxists, and then one day at the office, Upu office. And one of those three days when I was just there, uh, Eli Roth shows up, and I'm just like, I'm nerding out. I'm like, I'm already nerding out because I'm doing scenes with Amy Poehler. But, like, I was like, holy shit, that's fucking Eli Roth over there. And uh, Richard's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to kill him in one of these scenes. Because they're, like, good buddies. Like, they're him, Kevin Smith, and Eli Roth are, like, friends. Like, they, like, hang out. <laughs> they, like, talk in movies. And they're just, they're really, all of them, really nice guys. I like uh, all of them. And it was just a random thing that Eli Roth was doing nothing that day. I mean, when it's in Hollywood, you, you don't do anything. And, like, some call, your friend calls you up and is like, come on over. You know, and they just show up and do whatever. I, and you do it. I, cur- <laughs> I currently do props on commercials. That's I'm, what I'm trying to be a writer as well. Uh, I sure, but aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do. You know, I work on commercials. I work on props. And I was doing props on a Nespresso commercial with George Clooney. Oh. And my job was just handing George Clooney freshly looking Nespresso cups. <laughs> and I don't know where Clooney's calls up Matt Damon and Matt Damon shows up and they're just like kicking it on. I'm like, what? Matt Damon had nothing to do today? <laughs> That's just the way it is. So Richard Kelly can text Eli Roth and go, hey, what are you doing? You want to get shot in a scene? And Eli Roth is like, totally. <laughs> and then shows up. Like, it's just, it's a really weird thing. A famous friends like that and they just do that and they're buddies. And the thing is, I would do that. I would ask my friend, I'd ask Kevin or Shane, I'm like, yeah, you want to go die in this movie if I got famous? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, sure, I'm not doing anything. They show up and they do it. That's what you would do if you were famous friends dead. I I would do it in a. I would go across country yeah. from where I am right now to do that. <laughs> I would bother Matt Damon all the time right. to come over and die in my movies. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Okay. So the 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 plot line um, question. <clears throat> pardon me. Question I had, which may have been answered by the uh, stunt double thing. Um, cause yeah. it sure did look like you falling on the toilet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Like my mom was like, Whoa, yeah. how did you do that? I was like, Oh, that wasn't me. And, 
And now that I know it's not you, I actually know what the answer to this question is. But I'm going to ask it anyway, so there's not any um, there's not any hanging threads here. But um, his uh, the stunt double's hand was in his hoodie pocket the whole time, and yeah. in my mind, I thought, well, is that maybe because uh, he had a specific hard drive of information, and was that like a, a character choice you had made? But now I realize stunt double. That's he was blowing the squibs, so he was. yeah, that's yeah. that's where I realized that now. <laughs> but uh, I was really hoping you had had some kind of like in uh, you had you had really delved into yeah. your character and were like, oh, he's got this one bit of information he's got to save or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that could have been something pretty clever, but no, it was uh, it was just movie magic. Oh, that's fun though. That's, that's fun though. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, well, I mean, you've our podcast is generally pretty short, and you've answered a lot of my questions. Um, is there any other like thing you would like to uh, say out there uh, about the story? Any other cool stories that you might want to throw out there? Uh, you know, like it's a couple things that that happened that uh, really short stories. Like I didn't. This is like the first movie I was ever in, and I didn't know what to do. And you show up and you get checked in and like I go up to this person and I'm like, Hi, I'm working today and this guy is just looking through a list for my name and he's like, I don't see you on this list, dude. Uh I'm like, What do you do? What department? I'm like, Oh, I'm in the movie and he <laughs> gives me the look of fuck you goes to the front of the page of all his things and I'm like the fifth name on the list. He goes, Yeah, okay. Let me show you your tra- your trailer and I was shocked. Like I didn't realize I was gonna get a fucking trailer. I'm like, this is the cool. I called everybody I knew. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, oh my god, I'm in a second trailer. Like sharing a trailer with like Wood Harris from The Wire. Like there was like split trailers, and like he got one end, and I got the other. And I'm like, holy crap, what? this is the coolest fucking thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, like, what else happened? Oh, uh, I remember also not knowing what to do for lunch. Could you go get your food from the catering and the only people I knew were Richard Kelly and during lunch he goes and watches dailies and clips and sees what he did so he's not available to eat lunch with and I just have my tray of food and I'm looking around the only people I know are the wardrobe people and I go up and I'm like hi do you mind if I sit there and they were like what I'm like can I sit with you guys they're like okay and I sit down and I'm like so how's it going and they're like this is so Actors usually don't sit with the crew. I was like, oh, shit, am I not supposed to sit there? No. That shows how genuine you are. I'm like, where is everyone else eating? They're like, they go in their trailers. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go in my trailer. And that sounds awful, like eating by myself. Yeah. My food thing. Yeah, I'm like, that sounds so boring. And it's not true because, again, to the refer, uh, reference to the uh, Clooney commercial that I did tops on, George Clooney eats with everybody. He's sitting yeah. there in the in the in the tent. He doesn't give a fuck. He's like going to his trailer to eat his lunch. That, I don't know. Maybe they don't, they don't work with the actor. <laughs> they don't work with actors that they want their privacy. I don't give a shit. I would love to eat with whoever will eat lunch with me. Oh, for um, sure. All of my experiences on sets has been as extras, so I get to eat last. So oh, I would I know, be yeah. <laughs> I would be super excited to uh, even get to eat with wardrobe. Yeah, <laughs> and they were super sweet. Um, couple favorite stories. Oh yeah, uh, like mega crush on Amy Poehler just because she just is so funny and so cute. 
Who in and, comedy doesn't, right? Yeah, exactly. And like Richard Kelly threw out some fucking line to her, and she's like, "What do you want me to do?" And he's like, "Just do this thing." And she says, she does this one line. He goes, "Awesome, got it." She grabs one of those rubber duckies from the toilet, throws it against the wall, and goes, "One take, polar," and then leaves. And it was like the greatest exit. <laughs> I've never seen anyone leave, and I was like, "Fucking love Amy Poehler, so funny." And oh, uh, yeah, then what else? Uh, I mean, that was it. Was, you know, it was, it was a fun experience when I was 25. I got four days to work on a movie, and I was in a movie with a bunch of my friends. Like, right. Not everyone gets to do that, and a bunch of famous people. Like when I, my fiance and I, we've been together for three years, and. I told her about this movie, and she's like, "What? Well, I never heard this movie. I'm like, of course you haven't. And then she looked at the cast list, and she goes, how come I've never seen this movie? <laughs> because there's everyone in it. There's a ridiculous amount of famous people in this movie. I'm surprised it hasn't gotten more of a midnight screening-ish sort of. Well, I know. Too long. I don't I think that might be I think that might be part of it and um you know midnight showings tend to be a bit debaucherous and yeah the opening monologue tends to turn off uh impaired people so many people I, would I wouldn't even say impaired <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those things I'm like well this is a whole all three graphic novels shoved to you in 5 minutes I'm like that's a lot so yep. a lot going on in the beginning of this movie and it doesn't even help that most of the, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love the art in the graphic novels, but yeah. if if you if you haven't seen the movie already, it's hard to tell who any of those drawings are of. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Exactly, like, I was so stoked when I got them, and I found myself. Like, it's never been a dream of mine to be in a comic book, but I was like, that is something that, like, so few people have had done. That There's, like, drawings of me that I can show my kids. Like, oh, look, Daddy was... You think I'm a big dork now? Look, Daddy was in a comic book. Daddy was, Daddy was cool one time in 2005. <laughs> like, it's really cool, but, man, it just... Again, does should have been a miniseries. It should have been a miniseries, for sure. Yep. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you taking the time and talking to me about this... Uh, about this, this cr just crazy movie. And yeah. um, I'll end this interview the way we're currently ending all of our uh, all of our episodes uh, with um, angels under a sea of black umbrellas. Do not negotiate with ice cream. Talk to God. Not even not even seeing him. You hear his voice and you see his disciples. They appear like huh, angels under a sea of black umbrellas. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. 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 Sound like his tail. Hey, oh, we're doing this again. Yeah. yeah. I didn't. I didn't have time to fix the theme song. Yeah, well, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so forgot Jake. why I'd come over here until you said Southland Tales Tales. <laughs> That's why we're here, um, recording uh, a little late, because uh, Doug can't turn his phone on after he gets off of work. It's weird. He just forgets to sometimes. 
<sighs> I know, right? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't have a cell phone for a long time, like uh, well past the point when everyone expected everyone to have a cell phone. Um, just because I, you know, when I grew up, I didn't. If you weren't home, you couldn't call me, mm-hmm. uh, or I couldn't be called. So I just thought that was still good enough, and then had to get one for work, and now I kind of can't. I lost my phone like almost two weeks ago, and it was the most stressful like three or four days waiting for a replacement because I didn't know what to do, how to live. It was very interesting because uh, I, I, I mean, I know Courtney, but I don't know her so well that it made sense for her to be messaging me. So right. I was like, why is Courtney? Oh, You're I see. literally the only person I have any obligation to talk to. And I don't, <laughs> don't take that the wrong way. I would talk to you regardless. Yeah. But because we have creative endeavors together, I needed to communicate with, with Doug. So I had, uh, I don't have Facebook and I don't do all this stuff so i was like courtney get on instagram the only way you're connected with my friend doug and send him an instagram inbox message to say what i need to say it was pretty weird (laughs) i enjoyed it i enjoyed it and um i should also mention because i just now noticed it um your hat is a hat of california yeah i got this from the store that's uh right next to grom's chinese Right next to the all the handprints and shit. Ooh. Um, that's like $5 for everything. Okay. It's like the $5 store. Oh, that's cool. Or the $10 store. It's like every... I got this and a coffee mug for like 8 bucks. Oh, wow. I yeah. would... See, I once you said next to Grauman's, I assumed it was one of those touristy shops where everything is $1,000 for oh, no reason. Oh, no. It's not like... Uh, I, there are a few of those around there, obviously, too, but yeah. um, this one is just it's literally i don't mean it's in the neighborhood i mean it's actually attached to it yeah it's directly beside the entrance to it it's right in on. the same structure and when you go in and uh one of the, my mom never got the jokes uh but when she came out to visit uh we went and saw that i, I don't personally care and i lived there for 10 years and never went once until my mom came to visit but when we went in there, the I started making Natalie Wood jokes because mm. Natalie Wood, Christopher Walken, and um, who's the guy who killed Natalie Wood uh, that everybody knows killed Natalie Wood, but nobody will do anything about it? Uh, the guy from the Jinx? I don't know. Oh, no, no. It's a uh, famous dude. Um, I'll look it up while we're talking. But Ed, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. Ed Harris <laughs> <laughs> murdered Natalie Wood. Everyone's, you heard it here first. You've spread that around, spread that around. Um, but it was, um, it, it, it's a weird little alcove there in Hollywood Boulevard, Yeah, you know? Yeah. It's, it's different than the rest of Hollywood Boulevard for sure. So what, what do we watch? Jake? Uh, minute. minute 40, what? 43, 44. You know what? Who, let's stop naming them because you know, we were wrong every time in our last round. of. And recordings. the disappointing thing about that is today I thought, uh, I was thinking about coming over here and doing this night and I thought, you know what the best thing about the first episode of a round of episodes is? We always know what minute it is. <laughs> and then by like the seventh or eighth one, I'm like, ah, look at the episode description, you lazy bastard. Uh, so minute 40 something, um, we're almost an hour into this thing. Uh, we're still in the bookstore with uh, with Boxer and some of the Baron Squad. 
Uh, we get, the minute actually starts with a really fun little growl from Dr. Keller. Oh, and she points Kessler. at him? Yeah, because Boxer has just uh, tried to take the manuscript, uh, taken, uh, but with not without some difficulty, his play, what is the word? Screenplay. Screenplay. I could not think of that 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 term from Dr. Katarina Kunstler. Uh, and then we get a little bit of uh, enigmatic speak from Serpentine. And she says Santeros very sexily. Uh, I don't think that's a real word, but it is now. Before we move on to the rest of what happened, um, <clears throat> did you know? Do you think now? Do you think? Knowing what you kind of know now and having heard most of the... Uh, Jake hasn't finished the interview that I did with Mike that we listened to yesterday. Um, but do you think that maybe he had started panning over before Serpentine got done talking because he, he thought she had forgotten her next line? And that's why she says it whenever it's looking at Dr. Inga von Westphalen? Hmm, I hadn't really noticed all of that, but... Yeah, uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's some sort of allusion to that scene that got written out where he goes back in time and talks to a young Dr. Inga von Westphalen, uh-huh. but I, I, that, and then, anyway, continue. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought you were talking about, uh, like, a mistake in the camera movement. Well, that's what, I am talking about that, but I'm saying, do you think that when the camera moved from Serpentine over to Dr. Inga von Westphalen... Do you think that was an accident, or do you think he did that on purpose so uh-huh. Serpentine was talking over Inga von Westphalen? Because it, if I were making the movie, right. as as someone who has made a couple of, of uh, one feature that was a documentary and, and a couple of shorts, um, I would have had Serpentine say all of her lines and then moved over to Dr. Inga von Westphalen and then her say her line and then down to Dr. Catalina Kunstler and have her say her line, mm. which was amazing, by the way. Right, right. I'm I'm a Zelda Rubenstein fan up and down the board, uh, right. even though I've only know the one thing she's done, which is the three Poltergeist movies. Mm. Uh, that's the one thing I know that she's done is the way I should say that. As you pointed out, she was the, uh, what was it, organist? Yeah, that's the only Candles. thing I know. Of. She, she has a talk with Molly Ringwald outside the church. Uh, I don't even know the... The plot of Sixteen Candles, but everybody forgets Molly Ringwald's birthday. It's her sixteenth birthday, except I think for her, Ducky. Yeah, I think her sister's getting married mm-hmm. or something, and that mm-hmm. kind of her the details of everything else kind of get lost in the shuffle. And then we've officially uh, is that the one with the racist Asian guy? Yeah, Long Duck Dong. Long Duck Dong. Other than those three facts, I know nothing about Sixteen Candles. Dong, where is my automobile? Automobile. <laughs> That's the best line in the movie. Uh, but um, have you seen Dr. Inga van, von Westphalen's uh, new role as Elon Musk's mom? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Elon Musk's mom? I have not. Oh, man. But I've heard, uh, I read that article, and it does uh, does draw comparisons to that. I, I would watch a... Um, uh, sitcom about Ingevon Westphalen, Phelan, uh, Elon Musk's mom, and mom from Mom's Friendly Robot Company all living together and getting confused one for the other. Because I can see it, it's it's very... Uh, if Tress McNeil was in this movie, I think it'd be the only thing that could make it more perfect. If Tress McNeil was in this movie, I would be terrified because zombies have come to life. Um... 
Tress McNeil is dead? Isn't that wait, I might not know I might not know who that is. Isn't Very... that Mrs. Krabappel? No. Oh, okay. Mrs. Krabappel is the lady who played uh the receptionist on Bob Newhart. Right, right. Uh but... Tress McNeil is uh a very prolific voice actress who played uh she's mom. She's like a shitload of other people. My apologies. I I, I had got names confused, and I thought that I please hope nobody Tress out there panic. is not dead. I hope no. that's not true. That I just I just thought that she was Miss Krabappel, and I knew Miss Krabappel had died. She so, is the, the lady who played Miss Krabappel. A national treasure, Tress okay. McNeil. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, so then um, we get all that, and then we get Doctor Katerina Kunzler saying, "Not with a whimper, but with a bang." It's my, it it might be one of my favorite line reads in the movie. I enjoyed the piss out of that <laughs> for sure. And then the, uh, the 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 fluid karma effect, the smoke effect, the fog effect, whatever you want to call it, comes in, uh, which I think is one of the things that they went back and added after the cans cut um, was all that. All that smoke was one of the big uh, special visual effects that they added into the movie. You know what? It's been you've seen the cons cut since. I have They're, not oh, watched you have it not yet. Wa- no, and I haven't seen it again since we started doing this podcast. But I, I remember that being in there because mm. the smoke effect is it. All that fog comes from, as Bart Bookman explains later on, it comes from the uh, the perpetual Utopia. motion machine, Utopia. Yeah. Uh, device, so it seems like it would be a weird thing to not have in the original version of right. the movie. Uh, probably. Um, it could be, you know, some semblance of the presence of angels under a sea of black umbrellas, um, negotiating with ice cream. But- no, but see, unfortunately, um, angels under a sea of black umbrellas do not negotiate oh, that's right. with Robert Wagner who killed Natalie Wood. Fuck. Talk to God. Not even not even seeing him. You hear his voice and you see his disciples. They appear like <laughs> angels under a sea of black umbrellas. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. 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 So, what do we think? Yes, no? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Google Maps doesn't even get close to that address. Which was uh, 14,000 Nolita Place. Or is it Noida or Nolita? When I started typing it in, it automatically came up as Noida, N-O-W-I-T-A. Okay. Venice, California. Okay. So I just kind of assumed that was it. Yeah. 998 is as close as it gets. Mm. Right on, right on. Um, Southland Tales Tales. Mm-hmm. Nick, this yep. is the podcast. Doug Driesel Jr. Jake Young. Yes. We didn't say that last episode. I hope no, people- we didn't. Didn't think it was two imposters that had come in and decide to take over a Southland Tales minute by minute podcast from us. Well, we both did have our fake finger mustaches up. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? At Disney World last week, there were fake Frida Kahlo eyebrows that you could pose with. 
you know, free to call the Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I just, that's a weird thing to monetize for Disney. Yeah, well, it was a, a photo thing uh, in the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot. Oh, um, okay. They had Frida margaritas, which were just a very strong margarita. With, just like uh, Frida was a very strong woman. Right. Uh, sure, that was the inspiration. <laughs> and uh, anyway, you could pose in this little photo booth that put eyebrows on you and her hairdo. That is so it, it was weird. Yeah. Well, this minute <clears throat> started off with um, one third of the mechanicals. And um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We found that out from the interview. From old, um, good old Mike Nielsen. Absolutely. Uh, now, this is a long time ago, especially considering the fact that this is a daily show. A uh, long time ago, I told you to listen uh, to them say that LAX had been closed mm. uh, for the 4th of July weekend. Why is Starla on LAX bathroom detail then? Who's going to the bathroom in LAX Somebody when LAX is there. closed? Probably. Because, I mean, like, if they close LAX, everybody who's in LAX is probably... Can't just go get a hotel? Quarantine or? there. Well, I figure if it's a security risk, they wouldn't let anybody out. Well, there's just... The, it's a travel warning, is all it was. Oh. It was because they're worried about another terrorist attack. Mm. Uh, so, Starla is watching the bathrooms, obviously, because she's pervert. Okay, there we go. go she's, a, she's a she's a pervy, uh, celebrity-obsessed... Um, little lady who shoves Cheetos in her mouth, disgustingly. <laughs> but a funnily. Lot. Yeah. Funnily. 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 Um, oh, uh, both like a funnel and like it's funny. Like, what if, if there were Funyuns? Ah. Funnel, funny, funnily. Funnel, funnily, funnels. Fennels. Fennels. Ooh, add some fennel in there. Fennel funnel cake. Fennel funnel cake, Funyuns, funneled into your mouth funnily. Yes. Yes. Perfect. We've got it. That's our new vocal warm up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh. Oh. Unique New York. Unique, Unique New York. York. I can't even do that in real life, by the way. Unique New York. I did it that time. You just time, did it. I just, when I did it a second ago, I said, New Yeek, you nork. Oh. So, I, I, am, I am bad at vocal warm-ups, as a lot of you out there know, because you hear me slur all sorts of words on this podcast. Yeah. Yes. But, um, so this episode, it started off with uh, the people at Upu 5, and we learned that Starlove Von Luft, right. who's what we're calling her now because of a typo. Oh, Starlove, yeah. Starlove, yes. Starlove Von Luft. Uh, is obsessed with Boxer and obsessed with the power screenplay and has taken on the role of Dr. Muriel, Muriel, Muriel Fox. Fox. And she is uh, watching the bathroom, and the two people who are going to murder everyone at Upu 5 are very concerned about her. Yeah. I don't know if we ever really get to who Dr. Muriel Fox is in the film, but she is a psychic police officer of sorts, who um, works with Jericho Kane, also a police officer, uh, as we already know, um, to solve this mystery, this baby Caleb, and uh, it's a bunch of weird stuff. I think we'll probably do some stuff about the graphic novels, and we'll get to that later, but um, that's essentially, in a nutshell, who she believes herself to be at this point, yep. Dr. Muriel Fox. And she's um, uh, obviously delusional, yeah, and becoming more so. 
And I think the fact that she's been on bathroom detail for, what do you say, two days? She's really in, into it, though. Oh, you she's, watch, she's like, oh, my God, this guy's going to shit. Well, that's the thing, though, is she's actually reading the power screenplay. Like, she's watching them shit, and then she pulls up the power screenplay, and that's when she starts shoving the... Where no one shits. Well, oh, that's right. Well, well, at least that one character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's probably no shitting scenes, and I've never, I've written several movies that never got made, and I never wrote a scene where someone's taking a shit. Well, so you know, life is short. And <laughs> Maybe you, I'll get to it. You need to reprioritize your bucket list, probably. And then later on, we go into, um, we go into them getting the call. Uh, by them, I mean uh, Boxer and Ronald getting the call from Zora pretending to be the police dispatch that there is uh, the disturbance at 14,000 Nolita place. No, Noida place. Yes. Which we just looked up on Google maps and determined probably not a real address, uh, because Google maps would only get us as close on street view as nine ninety eight Noida court. But you looked Venice at Hill. it. Yeah. And it was just an alleyway and a bunch of very similar looking backyards, which a lot of looked like the backyard that they were in doing the makeup earlier with the hot dog in this movie, but all the backyards on that whole alleyway kind of looked the same. Yeah, yeah. And um, let's see. Uh, one 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 thing I do want to say is that as a comedian, I've done a few house shows in my life, and they're usually death. They're usually mm. like, oh, why are you asking me to do this? <laughs> this yeah. is so mean of you. But the very first one I ever did was a birthday party at a uh, a lady's she her house and her yoga studio were all in one and it was a birthday party there and that was uh one of the best shows I've ever done. Hmm. And it was just like it was one of those there was a big party and at one point she says, "All right everybody, shut up. We're going to go into the yoga studio and we're going to watch some comedy. Everybody be quiet." And normally that, that's not the case. Normally that, it's just like you just like going up there and start telling jokes. Yeah, that's what you need is someone to say, everybody shut up. <laughs> yes. I, as a musician, I've done a few house shows, a few parties where people are like, hey, just bring your acoustic set and come over. And then you start playing and everybody's like, can you not? We're trying to. It's like when you get uh, your improv troupe is assigned to do project. Gra- you ever been to a project graduation? Do you know, are you familiar with the concept? Uh, no, but I've I've done a few things with um, with Seth that have been a, a little iffy on the whole why were we here kind yeah. of thing. They always get us to do these things where they have these all night, so basically like a lock in for graduating seniors. And it's like one of the last nights that some of these kids are going to see each other ever, probably, even though they don't realize it. Mm-hmm. And um, they're having fun. They're playing sports Something and playing video games and eating pizza. And it's right. Yeah. I hope you had the time of your life. That's actually the first game we play is we get everyone to sing that usually. Uh, but so they're always like, wait, what, what, what is this? What is this show they're going to make up? We don't want to stop and listen to this. But they've paid us to be here. So all of the sponsors are like, no, stop and listen to this. This costs $500. And uh, anyway, oh. it's it's a big mess. How yeah. shows like that are always really, really hard to win. Uh, and the reason I bring it up 
is not only just to brag about doing a good house show early in my career, but also because it was in very much a, like when you went outside of the yoga studio, it was just like that backyard court. It didn't look like that, but it was the same. It's just this backyard court, and it goes out to the beach, and uh, on each side are the way you get into people's houses and stuff. And it's very, it's it's interesting how a lot of Venice looks a lot just like this movie, right? Damn, I want to go to the beach. Yeah, it's my favorite beach, yeah. as we've discussed. The best thing about that beach, no Robert Wagner. No, um, oh, order that shit. Yeah, because uh, Angels Under a Sea of Black Umbrellas don't negotiate with Robert Wagner, who killed Natalie Wood. Stop it. Where are we? Ah! If you're liking what you're hearing so far, you might want to check out one of Jake and mine's side projects, Wolfram and Heart Tiger. We are a band that's easily described as Tenacious D meets the William Shatner album has been. You can check out our stuff on wolframandhearttiger.bandcamp.com. Don't know how to spell that? Just go to the notes of this show. And now, speaking of the show, back to the thing that I was just speaking about. Talk to God. You hear his voice, and you see his disciples. They appear like <laughs> angels under a sea of black umbrellas. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. Southland Tales, 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 Southland Tales, Tales, Tales from the Southland. The improv scene. The improv scene. <laughs> the scene of improv. The scene of improvised acting. Yes, absolutely. Uh, very much like level one, day one improv. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh yeah, well I'm gonna do this. Uh huh. Well. I'm gonna play uh, tennis on the moon. Oh, well, how are you gonna get to the moon? I got a spaceship. <laughs> uh, no, Dion and Dream are getting ready for Officer uh, Roland Taverner to show up and fake shoot them in front of Boxer Santeros to try to implicate him in uh, some some shady shit, and it doesn't go as they think it's gonna go but in this scene they're warming up and they're so good at improv oh they're so good at improv as being states yeah absolutely and uh by the way that that gentleman who we haven't uh mentioned it his name is bing bing <laughs> i think she says she's like nice rollerblades bing but i never understood what, he, what she said yeah his name is bing we never mm. mentioned it in here and f honestly the first dozen or so times i watched this movie i thought his name was bane because mm. that's a slightly more normal name than Bing. Uh I read that originally his name was Google and uh <laughs> but they had to do to that. keep it a little more uh LA hipster, they were like, Well Google's too oof, mainstream, oof. so they changed it to Bing. That joke makes me want to negotiate with Robert Wagner who killed Natalie Wood. <laughs> well don't do it if you're an angel under a sea of black umbrellas. Oh yeah? Because angels under a sea of black umbrellas don't negotiate with Robert Wagner who killed Natalie Wood. Talk to God, but not even, not even seeing him. You hear his voice, 
you see his disciples. They appear like <laughs> angels under a sea of black umbrellas. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. I got soul, but I'm not a soldier. D.B. Cooper, sad that you're not petting him. Oh, and D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper's here. Doggy extraordinaire host. Yes. Hey, buddy. Oh, he's getting a little head scratchy. (laughs) So uh, you had asked me something right before we started that I just refused to answer until we got on. Yeah, I figured you were waiting until we started recording. Yeah, ADR, Mm -hmm. which I honestly wish I knew. uh, I want to say it stands for it doesn't stand for after digital recording. But I always thought that's what it stood for until somebody corrected me. But basically, all it means is is that uh, lines that get recorded on set that can't be heard for wind or whatever reason, mm. or lines that people decide to add in later, they will go to uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, in the opening scene, he was doing ADR for cartoons. Oh. So they would be, um, he'd watch, you'd watch the thing and then you would say the line and then somebody would digitally add it in. And that for that instance, the rock did a, a line that I love ADR'd, which was, <clears throat> um, Oh look, a fellow officer of the law. Right. Uh, I would have never heard that as a term or known that that was a practice, but I've always been aware of when I hear that. I, it's sometimes it's really obvious, and you you hear it. And you're like, they didn't say that on that take. They added that later. Mm-hmm. I can always pick that out. I've always been able, I've always been aware of that. I uh, just never known that it was a a, a a filmmaking practice. Yep, yep. And uh, let's see. So this one started off with um, the funniest rage I've ever seen. Yeah. Oh! With Dream, uh, Dion punching the air, we didn't even really talk about Dion and Dream uh, and their their rant. And she's, yeah, I like to suck dick and oh, never make your hoe a wife, never yeah. marry a hoe. It's super funny. It's one of the funniest scenes in the movie. It's you know every time I watch this movie, uh, I forget that Amy Poehler is in this movie until she shows up. Boom! One take Poehler. Oh, is that her? That, that's that's from the interview. I guess you didn't hear that part yet. Oh no. Yeah. Um. So, uh, call back. Um. You wanna do your thing? Oh yeah. Uh, um. Uh. Nuck nuck nuck. Call, call back. back. Yeah. So there's that. And <laughs> um, a, wow. Way to obscurely reference my podcast. Obscure reference. Yeah. Obscurereferencepodcast.com. Um. I'm on several episodes. Those are the good ones. Um. <laughs> but. Uh, they have a real fun uh, thing, and when they're yelling at each other and like, "Did you fuck him? Yeah, I fucking loved it. I'll fuck your brother right in front of you." And uh, this, so this scene picks up with the end of that, and uh, then we go out front with uh, with Taverner and Santeros, and Officer Bart Bookman has shown up, and the ADR line we're referring to is right there. Yeah. Well, I was. Yeah. What is it? Oh, it was. Oh, look. A fellow officer of the law. And so they have a little discussion about jurisdiction and uh, how it doesn't really exist anymore because they're all Upu too. I uh, am amused every time anyone in this movie says Upu. Uh, <laughs> I, I think if I lived in this world, I would just call it UPU 
or urban pacification unit. I, I'm a person who says the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if at all possible. I elongate people's short names. Yes. Like, I've, I've got a friend named Drew, and I constantly call him, like, Drusif or Drusifine or uh, oh. Drew... Drusilla, I mean, just anything Drusilla, I can, yeah. yeah. Droopy dog. Well, except for I put it where it doesn't fit, like... Uh, like droopy dog. <laughs> like Drusif, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I called you Douglas sometimes, and I got the impression once when you told me not to that you weren't just joking that it actually bothers <laughs> you. So I try not to call you that. Um, I don't want the mayo from the fridge. I want the mayonnaise from the refrigerator. Sure. I'm, I'm a person who likes to say the whole thing. I do. And I like, I, I am not as strict about it, but I do often. I mean, like I will say mayonnaise, but I will also say fridge. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I say those words. I just prefer to not bastardize the language. English is more beautiful than it gets credit for. I think sometimes, uh, we have some really, uh, it is often hard to make it sound as poetic as some of the other romance languages, but treated properly. It's more beautiful than most yes. because it's more emotive Yeah, is what I, at least I was taught in you know, literature classes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's weird that this is the second time I've had this conversation today. I went, as I mentioned, I went to Oklahoma with my new boss, like mm. the boss boss that I never get to see, you know, yeah. like that guy. Um, I went to Oklahoma with him today at, to record, uh, a, uh, tribal council leader and he, uh, and we had the conversation about how he hates the bastardization of the English language that's happening now with the young kids. Cause he's like 65 or something. Right. And I was trying to explain, well, you know, I mean, English is such a, for lack of better word, a melting pot language, you know? So we, it, it absorbs all the other languages around it that it interacts with. Right. So all it's really doing is the same thing we did when we, uh, you know, uh, assimilated German and assimilated French and, assi- you know, it's doing the same thing with a modern day culture of online. And just, I mean, I don't like it either, but it is a natural progression of where the English language would go. Right. So. So to to get back around to it, I don't know if we've ever said on this podcast that UPU stands for Urban Pacification Unit, but... If you've ever wondered about it, that's what UPU stands for. I think we did during that interesting line read of oopoo five. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so let me let me ask you a question about this moment, this minute. Um, the first time I watched this minute was possibly the first time I ever said anything aloud inside of a movie theater while a movie was playing, <laughs> and I believe I said out loud. John fucking Lovitz? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. What about that? Just, did that take you out of the movie the first time you watched it? Um, It was, I thought, an odd casting choice. I understand it a little bit more now, but, um, you know, I, lo- I love John Lovitz. I love all his work on Saturday Night Live. The Critic is one oh, of the, the best shows of all time. It doesn't stink. Yeah. Um, so I was excited to see him regardless of how I felt about him fitting into this world and this scene as a, an Upu officer. But, um, no, I don't guess it really, I was, you have to understand, I was tripping really hard on LSD the first time I watched this movie. 
Um, so, <laughs> which is the first time we've said that yeah. explicitly on this podcast. I did. I probably shouldn't have. Um, but um, so for anything to take me in or out of this world was gonna have to be a little bit more than John fucking Lovitz. <laughs> um, it was just kind of another bump in the road at that point. I was like, well. Yeah, there's the critic. Cool. Um, is anyone else here that singing? No? Cool. Um, I had just had a moment right before, like an hour before that, where I laid in bed for almost an hour and could hear an orchestra playing. Not like I was thinking in my head, like I could audibly hear it. It was really cool. It was an, 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 a previously unheard and never heard since piece of music i um along those lines and i i don't mean to i don't mean to apply this directly to what you're saying and say that that's not interesting but uh because it's germane to the topic Mm. but um the discussion of other people's trips and especially lsd trips uh has been an issue for me lately because one of the better shows i got booked to do uh, recently was at the creamery mm. and um, it was an okay show. You know, the creamery was all about having it there, but not a lot of people showed up. Um, the people who did show up left because the comic who was booked in front of me is a very funny comic. Like if he does his material, right. but instead of doing his material, he decided to forgo his material and decided to run the light by five minutes to talk about an acid trip. He had was it Connor Baker one time. It was not. Okay. No, Connor, I don't believe, does stand-up anymore. Oh, good. Um, That's probably it's been, best. It's been a little over a year, I think, since he's... Uh, the the Halloween yeah, um, the, thing. Yeah, the, was the Mumble comic, the, the Mumble Mummy The Mumble comic. Mummy and the and himself as a ghost. Yeah. Of his dead jokes past. Yeah. Um, or just dead jokes. So, uh, that... Uh, uh, no, it was a, a local... I'm not going to put him on yeah, blast. Yeah, sure. But, right. um, yeah, he, he's, he's super funny, but it was not funny that night, and it was leading into my set, which was the headliner, and I was not too pleased that he had walked the entire crowd with his acid story. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but what are you going to do? He's, he's, he was recently booked me for a show that by the time this air, uh, this airs, it's already going to happen. So I'm not going to plug it, but yeah, (laughs) you know, well, whatever, uh, you know, time travelers out there, they're listening to the podcast. People who've gone, uh, just 18 miles outside of Lake Mead, right. Um, through the time rift, through the time rift, come back 69 minutes. I would go, I would do that if Serpentine was there to blow up my car. Well, she blew it remotely, though. Well, she could blow it presently. Hey, John fucking Lovitz does not negotiate <laughs> with Robert Wagner, who killed Natalie Wood. <laughs> <laughs>